When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to Black Marriage Therapy, BMT for short. Here we become students of marriage in order to create healthy, long-lasting relationships. I'm your host, Kristen Smith, and in today's episode, we discuss stories we tell ourselves. Everyone is an author, even if they have never laid pen to paper and written a physical book. The stories we author are not physical, but mental. Our thoughts are the pen and our mind is the paper. Oftentimes, most individuals are not thinking about their thoughts, but those thoughts tell a story that shape how we see the world, other people, and even ourselves. The American psychologist Donald Meichenbaum claims that we are all storytellers and that we should be aware of the stories we tell ourselves and others. Some people might see themselves as prisoners of the past or as stubborn victims. These phrases are not idle metaphors. They are the organizing schemas that color the ways individuals view themselves, their world, and their future. So what does this have to do with marriage anyways? You see, the stories we tell ourselves become like colored tinted glasses that shade our perspective. If your glasses are tinted with love, compassion, patience, growth, resilience, then you are more likely to have a positive outlook in life and see yourself and others positively. However, if your glasses are tinted with comparison, shame, discontentment, depression, loneliness, fear, and trauma, you will see others, including your spouse, through those lenses. For this episode, we will be discussing the ABCs of thought, how our thoughts affect our marriage, and warning signs and tips. Before I continue, if you hear some coos or some coughs, uh, we actually have a guest speaker on today's episode. Her name is Eve. She's helping me record this episode today because she doesn't want to be put down. So (laughs) if you hear any coos or little coughs or anything, please forgive me. So what are the ABCs of thought? So for the next few minutes, I'm about to get a little bit geeky and start talking about theories and models and everything like that. But I want you guys to follow me and stick with me. I promise you it'll make sense. It'll be well worth it. So um, the ABCs came from a theory of counseling called cognitive behavioral therapy. And what cognitive behavioral therapy? Oh my goodness. I'm going to say CBT because that's easier to say. (laughs) What CBT suggests is that our thoughts, emotions, body sensations, and behaviors are all connected and that what we think and do affects the way we feel. 
So in CBT, they have a model called the model they have a model called ABCs to help us kind of understand our thoughts and our actions. So A stands for adversity or activating event. B is your beliefs about the event. And C are the consequences or behaviors from that belief. So an adversity or an activating event is just, in layman's term, it's just something that happens. Right, we're gonna just make it as plain as possible. A is something that happens. So something happened to you. It could be good, it could be bad, or it could be neutral. So that can be a family member passed away, you graduated from college, you got in an argument with your best friend. So simply put, A, adversity or activating event, is something happened. Now, B, your beliefs about the event is Interesting because they call it a belief, but really what they're saying is a thought because beliefs are things that happen over time. You have to have a whole bunch of thoughts before you have a belief. So I think they put belief because eventually it becomes a belief, but beliefs are simply put the thoughts that you think after experiencing something that happened to you. Now, beliefs happen instantly. It is something that we are hardwired and programmed to do. So for instance, I may be driving to work and I get like two red lights. I instantly like take that information and tell myself a story and say, oh crap, I'm going to be late for work or dang, I'm always late to work because I always get red lights. It happens instantly. Oftentimes we don't even notice that we're having thoughts or making thoughts based off of situations. Beliefs also happen for ourselves and for people. So sometimes it's like outwardly, right? So if the example of me being late or me getting a few red lights and I'm saying, oh no, I'm going to be late. Those are things that's outwardly, but things happen inwardly as well. So I may be at a party and I put my foot in my mouth or I say something wrong and I just instantly have a belief like, oh crap, I'm so dumb. Oh my goodness. Why did I say that? That wasn't smart. I sound so silly, right? And, and of course with other people as well. So somebody may say something to me or do something to me or look at me a different way. Sometimes it's as simple as a sigh or a nod or a blink and our brain immediately takes that information and figure and is trying to figure out how to make sense of it. So we just create a story. We have a thought. And that is the beliefs part of the ABC model. The last one is C, which are consequences or behaviors. These are things that we do or feel from the thoughts and beliefs we have created from something that has happened to us. So for example, if I am at a party and I put my foot in my mouth, I say something probably not the best time to say it. And I tell myself, oh my goodness, I'm so stupid. Why would I say that? The consequences of that is the next time I'm at a party, I'm not going to say anything. So that's the consequence of the thought that I had based off of what happened to me. So Consequences can be behavioral, such as what I explained before, which is like I stopped talking, but they can also be emotional responses, right? So if a situation happens and you believe something about yourself, you may immediately feel shame or feel embarrassed or feel fearful. So let's put all the pieces together in an example, okay? So remember, A, B, C. 
A is simply as something happened to you. B, you, you make a thought about it. And C, you have consequences from that. In this example, let's say you are calling a friend and the friend doesn't pick up. Maybe this is the second time that you call them and they didn't pick up. You are automatically think a thought. Now, that thought can be positive, it can be neutral, or it can be negative. But it all depends on the person. So somebody who has a positive thought might say, oh, she or he, they'll call me back later. Um, somebody that has a neutral thought may say to themselves, oh, they didn't answer. I'll call back another time. Somebody that has a negative response might say, oh man, they must not want to talk to me. Or maybe they don't want to be my friend. Now let's go with the negative response. The person who had that negative thought or belief, what type of consequence would that person have? They may stop calling that friend or if that person calls them back, they don't answer because they believe that that person didn't want to talk to them or that person doesn't want to become their friend. So over time, what happens is the relation get, the relationship becomes a little bit strained and it creates a cycle. What happens is with another friend that you may call who doesn't pick up the second or the third time, you may continue to have that belief that, oh, well, they don't want to be my friend, which leads you to not reach out or not call anymore, which leads you to eventually becoming lonely. Okay, so I'm done geeking out, okay? That's the ABC model put very simply. What does this look like in marriage? Why is this important to marriage? In marriage, we are constantly interacting with our spouses. And those interactions can be activating events. They can be things that, for lack of better terms, trigger you, something that happens. And what I want to focus on in this episode is the belief part after those interactions happen, the stories we tell ourselves. It's very important that we be careful with the stories that we tell ourselves about our spouse. Because what happens is those stories, as I mentioned before, create a lens in which we continue to see them. And if we are not careful with that, we may create a different person than the person that's in front of us. And this can cause strife in the relationship, obviously, but also disconnection. And as I've mentioned plenty of times before, <laughs> is that connection and intimacy is vital, it's important, it's, it's foundational when it comes to marriage and relationship. So now that we've broken down the ABC model, I want to take this and talk about marriage. So the same mechanism we use for ourselves is the same ones we use for other people. So the same way something happens to us, we have a thought or a belief about it, and then we act on that thought or belief is the same thing that we do to people. So if, if a person does something to you, you believe something about that person and you may act on that belief. When it comes to marriage, if we are not careful, we may begin to tell a story of another person that may not be true. And because we have been narrating this thought for a number of months or years, we believe that is who the person is and we refute any evidence or anything else. This is especially true when we have been hurt. In the relationship dynamic, when things happen, I don't want it to make it seem like everything that I'm saying is like we um, make it up in our head, like 
these things can be real and concrete things, especially if there was hurt or uh, some type of betrayal. They're real things that happen to us. But as the quote goes, 10% is what happens to you. 90% is how you react to it. And because beliefs happen so fast and they're instantaneous, we don't take the time to check for evidence or seek clarification. And another thing about the belief is thoughts create beliefs and beliefs create thoughts. So like I mentioned before in the beginning of the episode, if your lens is already tainted with trauma, if your lens is already tainted with impatience or with fear or depression, then you are already seeing from that view. And because you already have a belief, it's easier for you to think that thought. Sometimes the thoughts happen and over time it creates a belief, but sometimes we come in with the belief and that helps us to create the thought instantaneously without second guessing, without checking for evidence. And the cons- the consequences, the behaviors, it activates a cycle and it becomes cyclical. And now you are seeking, now you're just looking for evidence to confirm how you already think. It's called confirmation bias. So to try to like tie this all together, I want to tell you guys a story that kind of explains what I'm trying to drive home when it comes to how we think and the stories we tell ourselves in relation to our spouses. It can be, it can be detrimental to us and our own personal health, but it can also be detrimental to our relationships. Okay. So in the beginning of our relationship, I had trust issues. If you haven't listened to my episode on trust, go ahead and listen to that episode as well. Okay. Cause I talk about trust issues, but in the beginning of our relationship, I had major trust issues. Okay. So for me, there was already a belief system before I got into the relationship to trust no one, to be honest, (laughs) like no man, no woman, no child, trust no one, only trust yourself. So I, that was my core belief from the beginning. So when I came into the relationship, I had that thought and I had that belief system. So every time my husband would do something that I perceived to be harmful to me, I would say to myself, you see, that's why I don't trust people. If you ever heard that (laughs) in your mind, then you got trust issues, okay? (laughs) Raise your hand if you're sure. Uh, You see, that's why I don't trust people. And that led me to continuously keep myself reserved and not be vulnerable with my spouse because I believed that I couldn't trust him. I would use the smallest example, the smallest interaction to reaffirm to myself that he cannot be trusted. Like he's, if he did something that was inconsiderate or said something that was rude, whether he knew it or not, I would use that to say to myself, to to reaffirm my belief that, well, he cannot be trusted. And therefore I must continue to reserve myself to continue to keep myself safe. It's only after this long in our marriage, as of like, I ain't going to lie, maybe like two weeks ago, I literally said to myself, Junior is safe. I can trust him. And it's not because he all of a sudden became perfect. He all of, all of a sudden became infallible. Like he'll never fault me. He'll never hurt me. But it's just that the overwhelming evidence shows that 
he is consistently faithful and consistently uh, trustworthy and consistently safe. So why is it that I am reserving myself or robbing myself of connecting to my husband in that way if the evidence is saying something else? So the story I was telling myself based off of my own beliefs was that my husband is untrustworthy. My husband is untrustworthy. My husband is untrustworthy. He would make a mistake. He would falter. He would do this. He would do that. And I would just reiterate the story to myself. My husband is untrustworthy. So what happens is when you stick to the story you tell yourself, you limit empathy, growth, and compassion all of which are vital in a healthy relationship. How could I possibly see anything else than what I've been telling myself this whole time? How could I open myself up to being compassionate towards my husband? Or maybe he wasn't great in the beginning of our relationship, but maybe he's great five years down the line. How can I see that if the only thing that I know to be true is the story that I have said to myself in my mind? So that leads me to to the last part of this episode, which are signs that you may be telling yourself stories about your spouse and some tips to break to break this pattern. So speaking of pattern, a telltale sign that you may need to start thinking about your thoughts is a notice pattern. So in the example that I used about trust with my husband, the pattern was clear. Every time my husband would try to get close to me, I would push him away. Every time he'll try to get close to me, I'll push him away. And I'm talking about uh, emotionally. Every time he get close to me, I'll push him away. It'll create a spat and so forth and so on. And there was a hindrance of connection because I keep pushing him away. Now, stop. Think about something that keeps on happening, right? Maybe it's not with one person. Maybe it's happening across your friends, across your family, across your, with your spouse and your relationship, but something seems similar. Sometimes we just have to pause and we have to think. We need to practice thinking about our thoughts I know it sounds meta, right? It sounds like, girl, you just getting a little bit too deep. But sometimes we are thinking some dangerous thoughts and we don't even know it. And those thoughts are affecting our lives, right? So we're aware of dangerous thoughts when it comes to like suicide or harming others or like thinking dark thoughts. We know those are wrong. Some thoughts are just as insidious as suicide or homicide or things like that, but they fly under the radar. And what they kill really is our relationship. So the thought that I was having of no one is trustworthy was killing my relationship. It was killing the opportunity for intimacy and vulnerability with my husband, right? So maybe the thoughts you're having, if you're realizing a pattern, maybe it's a pattern of fear, right? Every time this particular thing happens with my spouse, I get so afraid and I try to cope. So I drink or I eat. Or I, you know, go work out until I'm so sore I can't stand up. Or I get super busy. I overwork myself. 
just so I could drown out the noise. Sometimes we have to stop and think about our thought to notice the patterns in our lives so that we can address it, heal, and be better. A second sign that you may be telling a negative story about your spouse is a lack of empathy and compassion. This is what I've realized over time. If you have your own idea of who a person is, who they really are doesn't matter. All you are looking for is every attribute in that person that confirms who you think that they are. How could you be empathetic towards a person or care about them or love them if you are not willing to see who they really are? Now, it doesn't mean that what you're seeing about the person is untrue, but you're only willing to see that and nothing else. And therefore, there's no room for empathy or compassion. So for example, if you have an interaction with your spouse, if you have an interaction with your spouse and they acted selfishly, if you're not careful, you may tell yourself the story that your spouse is selfish, that they're selfish, that they're selfish. Now, everything that they do, everything that whether good or bad, you're looking at it in the scope of, well, they're a selfish person. How could you be empathetic towards them or compassionate towards them to understand that, you know what, maybe they made a mistake. They don't have to be selfish in the future you know, maybe they're working through things. Empathy goes out the window because you have decided that that is who the person is and that is it. The last sign that you may be telling us negative story about your spouse is that you do not allow there to be growth. Like I mentioned before, the stories that we tell about other people, they become cyclical, right? And they become stagnant because we are looking for confirmation about the story that we've already told. So if you are with your spouse and you believe something about that person, ask yourself, can my spouse grow from this? Can they be better? If you're not willing to give your spouse the opportunity to grow from this situation, you may be telling a story about them. So here are three tips If you have realized that you may be practicing this type of behavior where you are creating stories and creating a belief system about yourself or about your spouse, then here are three tips to help you kind of break the pattern and kind of create a new pattern of thinking, a more positive pattern of thinking that will help your relationship grow. The first thing that you have to do is recognize, acknowledge, right? Um, And that's what I was talking about. Taking the time to self-evaluate, to have some self-awareness, and to think about your thoughts. This can be difficult if you're just like sitting there thinking and trying to like put the puzzle pieces together. One thing that I have found that is very helpful is journaling or writing down your feeling. It don't even have to be like an actual journal. You could just go on your notes app and just type out your feelings. Um, And sometimes as you're writing, every there's clarity like things just start to open up and you're like okay this makes sense now and this makes sense um oftentimes sometimes when i have sometimes when i'm having like super really big emotions and i cannot like get my bearings straight i'm feeling overwhelmed i will literally just start writing every single thing that i feel and that would help me to kind of put the pieces together and look at it as a whole look at it objectively and say oh this is what's going on. So the first tip that you can do is to acknowledge, is to recognize, right? Like I mentioned, the patterns. 
and to get curious. Not only recognize, but get curious. And this is Brene Brown from her um, book, Rising Strong. She has this portion of the book called Reckoning. And in Reckoning, you acknowledge and you get curious. So it's not enough to just say, to recognize, say, oh, wow, there's a pattern. But you have to start to ask yourself questions about that pattern. You have to start asking yourself, why am I feeling this way? You know, uh, uh, what does it, it mean? Like, what did that person do? All these type of things. You have to really try to get curious about um, these things and these stories that you're telling yourself. The second thing, the second tip that I want you to do is to dispute, right? If you are having a belief and you realize that this belief is consistent, this belief is creating patterns, this belief is actually causing problems in our relationship, the first thing you have to do is test it out. Actually gain evidence. Now, in this whole episode, I don't want anybody to think that I want you guys to be a fool, right? I'm not asking anyone to uh, continue to receive um, negative behavior, toxic behavior from a person and call it and say, well, like I'm not giving them a chance. That's not what I'm saying. If there's evidence to back up your belief, then your actions should align with that evidence and that belief. So for example, if you're in a relationship where um, your spouse is continuously selfish, right? And there's evidence. You have countless uh, amount of times where it's like you can point to and say, wow, you're being selfish. You're being selfish. Your behavior from that can align with that. I'm not asking you to be a fool and be like, oh, (laughs) they're just being selfish this one time and I need to give them space to grow and blah, blah, blah. No, you may have to address accordingly as toxic behavior or whatever the thing is. Please, guys, I'm not asking you to be a fool. So the second tip I want you to do is to seek evidence. Some questions you can ask yourself. What are the facts and what are my assumptions? Another question, what am I really feeling? What part did I play? Let's go back to the example of trust. So let's say my husband was late to pick me up. And maybe this is the second time that he's late to pick me up. So I'm upset. I'm living. And I say to myself, see, this is why I don't trust nobody. <laughs> and sometimes it's not as clear as this is why I don't trust trust nobody. But I'm thinking thoughts that basically are like, wow, you really couldn't show up for me. Wow. It's just as simple as being on time. Wow. You really left me out here for additional 10 or 15 minutes or five minutes or whatever it is. And all those thoughts confirm my belief system that I cannot trust him. He cannot be trusted because he simply can't pick me up on time. Now, if I wanted to dispute this, if I took a pause and said, okay, he was late. Let me think about this. What are the facts? 90% of the time, Grislin, he's on time. That's the fact. That's the truth. And only 10% of the time he's late. So based off of my evidence, it's kind of irrational for me to continue to believe that he's untrustworthy because he was late a few times. What am I really feeling? Maybe I'm feeling like he's not really thinking of me. He's not concerned with me. He doesn't care about me. All these type of things. Those are my real feelings, but that doesn't mean that they're true. So second tip is dispute. You have to find evidence. You have to test out your thinking, test out your thoughts. The last tip is communication. Communication brings clarity. You have to be able to challenge the thought, not only internally, because what happens is this activating event has nothing to do with the person most of the time, right? It has something to do with you, something that they did you're reacting to. 
So it's important that you speak to yourself, but because you're in an intimate partner relationship, you have to speak to the other person. You have to get clarity and communicate because maybe that is what they intended or maybe they didn't, but if you don't have a conversation, you'll never know. And therefore the cycle of belief will never be broken. We have to communicate. We have to have a conversation to seek clarity. So those are the signs and those are the tips that I have for you. And I'm so glad that you guys joined me on this uh, episode. To end, I would like to share with you guys two quotes (laughs) because I like both of them. The first one is by Buddha. We are shaped by our thoughts. We become what we think. When the mind is pure, joy flows like a shadow that never leaves. The second one is by Marcus Aurelius. The happiness of your life depends upon the quality of your thoughts. Therefore, guard accordingly and take care that you entertain no notions unsuitable to virtue and reasonable nature. Thank you all for tuning into this episode of Black Marriage Therapy. If you haven't yet, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Black Marriage Therapy. See you guys next week.